Heavenly Father, we do corporately, together, we declare that we do need you. Where would we be without your hand guiding us? And now guide us into your word. Open our minds, our hearts, and to your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like you to think about the last time you were standing on the shore of a lake and looking across to the other side. Now, maybe you wanted to get to the other side. Maybe you were content where you were. But regardless of that, there is this gulf, this impassable body of water between you and the other side. And yet, regardless of the size of the water, there is a shoreline that goes all the way around and connects one side to the other. In the same way, we face impassable obstacles in our lives, and we are coming to God's Word and to the Lord to say, how can we get to that other side? Because wherever you stand on that shore, you will see another side. And wherever you stand, there will also be a path that goes around. Two weeks ago, uh, we talked about winning the cultural war and summarized that by saying that the war is won when we start battling, uh, winning that battle in our own heart, surrendering to Jesus, finding our identity in Christ, and allowing the Spirit to change us from the inside out. Today, we're going to continue in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And then we are talking about bridging the cultural divide. You know, it's natural for us to label things as different or similar, depending on what our experiences are. If you travel on an international mission trip, the temptation in our mind is to say, oh, this is just like what I think of in my own life. You go to Mexico and you find Norwegians calling it a... Alefsa. No, it's not. It's not. It's, but but we, we see it round and it's flat, and we, so we label things that are similar or different, whether they are or not. And we use titles to decide and define what things are like. And we have all types of titles, whether it's political titles or racial titles, religious, educational, geographic. We label things in so many different ways. So we can understand it. Maybe it seems like those are impassable barriers. There's many ways to describe what's going on around us, and calling it a divide is easy, but it is not accurate. It It is oversimplified. We cannot just label people as somebody from another side. Because if you stop and listen to them, you'll find out there are many perspectives, as many as there are people. We all have different points of view because we have different sets of knowledge, we have different experiences, and we have different perceptions. We're dealing with people. And they have similarities as well as differences from us. So now, stepping back to the city of Corinth. Here is a city on a trade route, a popular Roman city. It had 
everything from the corruption to the military presence. It had paganism as well as religion. There are Romans, Greeks, Christians, and Jews all blended together in this one city. So how do you bridge those divides? You can uh, call it many things. The word that is used in 1 Corinthians 2 is wisdom. And you might call it worldview, you might call it philosophy, lots of terms. But what is wisdom? If we're going to use that term, is it you go to school to gain wisdom? Well, schools try to give you information, lots of information. Media, they have their own perception of wisdom, and they try to influence us a certain way. Or maybe it's friends that persuade us, or news that tries to inform us. But ultimately, they're trying to control what we think and possibly even what we do. But wisdom, wisdom is not just information. Wisdom includes knowledge and experience and discernment. It's the application of what we know, who we are, and whatever our life has been. So, our world is filled with these different, expect, uh, different perspectives because we all come from a different perspective of knowledge and experience and discernment. Human wisdom ultimately separates us rather than uniting us. Thanks, Pastor. That's a real encouraging way to start the sermon. We, as a people, are separated by more than one side to another. We're separated by this collage of perspectives on life. So how do we bridge a cultural divide that's that broad as the entirety of the human race? Well, we need a wisdom that is beyond, above, transcendent of the human race above our individual perspectives. Of course, we need God's wisdom. God's wisdom is different because it's not tainted by all of our humanness that's on this side of of eternity. But God's wisdom is found in His Word. It's found in His Son. It is revealed by His Spirit and it is discerned by Christ. So God's wisdom can bridge a cultural divide. So let's look at what did 1 Corinthians, what did they say? How do they deal with this challenge that they were in the midst of? 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, though it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away. We impart a secret wisdom, a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared 
for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows this person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things that of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. A lot of words there, and it is, might be, as you put it all together, it's hard to dissect, digest all of it. But I think as we go through piece by piece and separate new verses, you'll, uh, it, it will become more clear. But if we're going to bridge, if we're going to build bridges, then we need to understand God's wisdom. And it begins by God's wisdom being found in his word. Verse 7, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. God's wisdom is found in God's word. I know that's a big shock to you. Sunday morning, you're going to, maybe, maybe you would expect that. The surprising thing isn't the fact that this is God's word or his wisdom, but the fact is that we don't pursue it. We don't seek it. Is it because it's secret and hidden? God is not hiding it. It is because our minds are tainted by human wisdom. We pursue things that make sense to us as opposed to just allowing God's word to be the one instructing and teaching. We have the word of God in our hands. It's the wisdom of God at our fingertips. We have the opportunity to know his will, his plan, his character, his instruction, and his love. God's word is the wisdom that we need for everything that we do. All of our decisions, our attitudes, our success, our future. And even how to build bridges across the culture divide. So why? Why are we so slow to consult, meditate, to study God's wisdom? Why do we listen so much to what people say and so little to what God is teaching us? Maybe, just maybe, we need to humble our lofty opinions of ourselves and submit ourselves to God's word and his wisdom. Maybe, just maybe, we need to stop 
and marvel at the fact that God recorded his wisdom before any of it happened. Before it came to be, his wisdom was decreed in ages past, as describes there in verse 7. He knew what would happen before it did. Romans 11, uh, verse 33, describes God's wisdom in a very rich kind of way. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. Can we take time just to pause and marvel at God's wisdom? To be aware of who he is, what he knows, and how he has put it all together. Even laying out a plan of salvation before we needed it. Point two, God's wisdom is about his son. Verse eight, none of the rulers of, the wisdom, uh, none of the rulers of this age understood this. If they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So if you struggle to understand some of God's word and his wisdom, you're not alone. Unfortunately, the company that you are associated with wasn't such a great, great start putting to death the crucifying the Lord of glory. But we can't understand God's ways from a human point of view. Just stop and think about it. Could you ever conceive in your wild imagination the God of the entire universe sending his son to die for you. Who could believe or understand that God would restore all of broken humanity in this type of manner? Only God could conceive of a plan before creation and then slowly reveal it throughout time. Only God could align the stars so precisely that they would proclaim the time of Jesus' birth. In God's wisdom, he described everything that would happen about Jesus from his birth to his manner of death. He multiplied the food, he healed the diseases, calmed the storms, cast out the demons, and raised the dead. Only God could take the cross, an instrument of death, and change it into a display of love. Only God, by his power, of, could prove his power by the resurrection over a well-guarded tomb. Think about the preparation for the time of Christ. He prepared the Roman trade routes, the roads, the shipping lanes that would carry the gospel to the, the, to the known world. The ability to travel from place to place in relative safety. A common language amongst across country barriers and an international currency 
God has wisdom. But his wisdom is so different than ours. Opposite, really. In his wisdom, he declared that it's in dying that we have life. It's in surrender that we have freedom. In serving that we become great. The last becomes the first. And by humbling ourselves, we're lifted up. His wisdom is the opposite of human wisdom, and that's why it can build bridges across that which seems impassable in our own perspective, in our point of view. Third, God's wisdom is revealed by His Spirit. We can't understand it in of ourselves. Verse 9 and 10. As it is written, What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through his spirit. We can read the Bible. We can know the stories. We can even quote it or memorize it without trusting it, without obeying it. We can know about Jesus. We can hear the stories about the parables. We can know about his life, death, and resurrection, and yet he is as far from our heart as the stars or the mind to the heart. But the Holy Spirit makes that bridge possible. I love, as a pastor watching the work of the Holy Spirit. Because at at Vacation Bible School, you can ask a group of fourth graders, how many of you would like Jesus to be your king? And they all raise their hand. That's uh, not something that we as adults are quick to surrender. Or you are in the office and someone comes and confesses their sin. Another person calls the office and asks to be put on the prayer chain because they know that God will answer their prayer. And they are pleading for the body of Christ to join together in calling out for help. Or some random person coming into the church saying, I need to talk to a pastor, I need help. And kneeling at the altar... And saying yes to Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's at work all around us. He allows us and helps us to pray to something that's invisible. To understand his word and apply it to our lives. To believe that God is real and he knows you. To give us a desire to know him. And to respond in worship. He shows us our need for Jesus. He shows us our sin. And he relieves the burden when we repent and ask forgiveness. God's word, God's wisdom is revealed through his spirit. His wisdom is also discerned by Jesus. Verse 15 and 16 The spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one. 
For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Discernment has to come from somewhere. What is it that you base your decisions on, right and wrong? It can come from the perception that we have on this world, or it can come from God. If we base what we choose to do or not to do on our own instincts, our human values, our perceptions, then everybody is going to have a different perspective of what is right and wrong. And then we have a mess, like our world today. But this isn't the first time. Going back to the book of Judges, they had just been freed from slavery in Egypt. They had seen God defeat uh, the Egyptian gods with the plagues, the ten plagues. They passed through the Red Sea. They had been given water and manna and meat in the wilderness. They'd been given the promised land. And now they have relative peace and they start pursuing their own perspectives. And then Judges repeats two times, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's our natural response. We know what is right, regardless of if it's wrong for somebody else. If we're going to make wise choices, if we're going to bridge a cultural gap, our decisions need to be based on the mind of Christ. We need to look to the Lord for wisdom. So what does that mind of Christ look like? Well, it looks like Jesus. He leaves heaven to give us his word. He dies on the cross to prove his love. He lives inside of us through his Holy Spirit, walks with us, and prepares a place for us so that we can be a part of his family. His kingdom. He invites you to be his child. It is possible to bridge this cultural barrier, cultural divide. An illustration of that in my mind comes up as I think about uh, a trip that my son Nathan and I took together. We were, he was living down in Brazil as a missionary for a year. And uh, so we went to visit the Iguazu Falls. Largest falls in the world, as far as the quantity of water. And uh, so that river is a combination of two other rivers. They join together and they make the, the Iguazu. Uh, those rivers are large and ominous to the point where they have separated countries. So it's Brazil, Argentina, and Paraguay, all at that, uh, that tri-corner. So, on the Brazilian side, there is a boat that you can ride. And it is uh, strong enough to navigate the current. Big tur- the, the, the current and the, the torment of that river is strong. But the boat doesn't have any problem because it has two 400-horsepower motors on it. And the second is just a backup. I suppose it would be pretty bad if you didn't have 
a, a motor directing you. Here's a couple of videos to give you a sense of what it's like riding on the Iguazu River. So there, there you go, you've traveled to Brazil. Uh, and by the way, yes, they do go under the waterfalls. I did put the camera away for that. I thought that was a good, thought that was a good idea. Uh, but those, those are some of those memorable moments in life where you are both excited and prayerful at the same time. That's just an example of simple human uh, human technology or power or whatever you want to call it. But just think about the power of God and His ability to navigate things that are so much difficult, more difficult, more beyond simple human or, or earthly things. Did you notice the rainbow? Here in the middle of the, this torrent of a river, is a rainbow. Can you see God at work all around you? He's there. What are the barriers that you face with people? Are they impassable? You know, the largest gap that we have to bridge is the one between our mind and our heart. You can know everything about the Lord without trusting Him in your heart. Put all of this intellect and check it off without trusting Him inside. That's the barrier that we need to concern ourselves with. It's a barrier between us and Jesus. Everything else is external. But his word is the answer that you need. His son is the one that bridges that gulf. His Holy Spirit is the one that reveals your sin as well as somebody else's. And he is the one that can direct our thoughts and our minds according to his will. Are you ready to trust him with those barriers, impossible impassable obstacles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are. Lord, forgive us for having such a small view of, of your greatness. Lord, I pray that you would be speaking into our hearts and our minds. Open your word to us. Lord, put in, into us a desire to seek and to learn and to study your word, your wisdom. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and proving once and for all 
who you are and how you have paid everything to have that relationship with us. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open and reveal our sin in our hearts. Show us the areas that need to change as well as somebody else's that we don't even know. And direct our mind that we can see things from your perspective and that you can bridge those barriers that we cannot seem to fathom. Lord, we invite you here today to be Lord, to be ruling over our lives and to bridge the barrier between our mind and our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.